comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The world we know is gone. No internet, no GPS, no text messages, no podcasts. In a world ruled by the dead, we are finally forced to start living. Welcome to episode 102 of the Walking Dead TV podcast. I'm Jordan from Jersey, and I'm joined tonight by Mr. Aaron Newworth, Jim Dietz, and Russell Latham. How y'all doing tonight, gentlemen? Doing well. Good. Welcome to Spaghetti Tuesday, everybody, which will be held on Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tonight we will be talking uh, season four, episode five of the Walking Dead, Internment. Uh, but before we do that, Russ, who is our sponsor this week? Our sponsor for this week's episode of the Walking Dead TV podcast is Discount Comic Book Service. That's DCBService.com, where you can save a ton of money on your comics, graphic novels, various tchotchkes that are geek-related. There's all kinds of cool stuff at DCBService.com or InStockTrades.com. And as we mentioned in the past, DCBS recently acquired the website Tales of Wonder. Uh, and so they are working on order fulfillment for Tales of Wonder as well. They've also added uh, some clearance books that you can find on the sites. Some books as low as 70 cents a piece. Some highlights for this month of November for Discount Comic Book Service. Uh, J. Michael Straczynski, if you're familiar with him from Babylon 5, big-time comic book writer J. Michael Straczynski. He is kicking off a new Twilight Zone series. So Twilight Zone number one from J. Michael Straczynski is 50% off this month, making it only $199. Bunch of bundles this month, too. All new Marvel Now, which is the second round of Marvel Now titles. Uh, Single-issue bundles, you can get them for 50% off for $31.42 for that whole bundle, which is which is a really good deal. Vertigo, the DC imprint Vertigo, uh, first uh, single-issue bundles at 50% off for a total of $10.96. If you're not into the physical books, uh, you can go to dcbservice.com, use their Comixology portal, and earn 5% back on your purchases. So again, if you're saving up for that Walking Dead trade or hardcover or omnibus or whatever, uh, and you like the digital side of things, but occasionally like your print, uh, you can order up on the digital side and apply that 5% off to a print volume at some point through DCV service. Uh, on the Walking Dead side, tons of stuff, t-shirts, uh, all kinds of little knickknacks and stuff, as well as uh, the first bi- uh, bi-weekly issues coming out. Uh, Walking Dead 119 and 120 are both solicited for November at 40% off, so you can get them uh, for 179 off the regular cover price of 299 And if you haven't ordered from DCB service in a year, or it's your first time ordering, you could use the code WD8 and get an extra 8% off your order. So we thank them for their support of the Walking Dead TV podcast. 
I also want to make sure to mention undeadmousey.co.uk. That's undead, M-O-U-S-E-Y, dot co, dot U-K. Uh, that's one of our listeners, Luke Smith. And Undead Mousey is a special effects company that kind of fills the gap between movie-quality prosthetics and the items you might find in a local fancy dress store or a costume shop. Uh, it's affordable and easy-to-apply movie-quality prosthetics. That's, again, undeadmousey.co.uk. He posts a lot of cool stuff on our Facebook group from time to time. And I thought I'd give them this mention. The company is international now, and they're willing to send a lot of their items worldwide. So regardless of where you are, check them out at undeadmousy.co.uk and check out some really cool stuff for uh, next Halloween or just your next zombie run or the next time you really want to be covered in blood and guts, but not the real stuff because, hey, let's face it, that's gross. So, Internment was written by Channing Powell and directed by David Boyd. And uh, this seemed to be mostly a Herschel episode, which was kind of fun. I don't think we've had a Herschel episode before. Certainly not in full, yeah. No. He's always been like a supporting player, but this is like the, the Herschel hour, which I was a fan of quite a bit. So, Yeah. The Herschel Spaghetti Hour. I mean, and just as a, in a general uh, aside about this uh, episode, what a, a great performance by Scott Wilson through the whole episode. I mean, I don't know. if It, it just it seemed like an Emmy-level performance to me through this episode. Oh, it just yeah, really, for sure. I agree. Really, really hit a home run with this for, for me anyway. If he died in this episode, that would have sealed it for like an actual win of an Emmy, I think. Or at least a nomination, <laughs> probably. Yeah. Just some really good acting character stuff with him this week. So, For your consideration. So we start the episode pretty much exactly where we left off. We've got Rick driving back from uh, the town where he... Uh, rid himself of Carol. He keeps staring at the watch and back at the road, back and forth. Um, he gets back to the prison and he meets up with Maggie, who is busy clearing walkers away from the fence. Uh, as soon as he gets there, he asks about Carl to make sure that Carl and Judith are okay. And uh, Maggie just wants to know, where is Carol? Where is Carol? And at first he avoids it with another question, um, but she demands he tells her. And he does. He tells her exactly what happened to Carol, why he did what he did. And uh, asks her if she would have done the same. And after she hesitates for a second, she agrees. But she says she doesn't know if she'd actually have the strength to go through with it. To which Rick replies, yeah, you've had to make harder decisions than that. Which I thought was a good line. That's a good callback, of course, to you know pivotal things involving Lori. But um, I like right. the... Um, Rick doesn't have a whole... Well, Rick, I guess he does have a, some more to do later on in the episode. But I like this early stage where you see him arrive back. And he's clearly been thinking about how to address the situation. So he gets kind of a chance to practice with a... With, uh, with Maggie. It's funny that one thing I thought of as Rick was pulling back into the compound was shouldn't they put counterweights on those on that uh, on those doors, you know, to make it easier to close them after they've I, been opened I feel up, like there's but... a lot of smart people in that camp that can't seem to figure out how to get fences right. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And Adam yeah. Savage agrees with you. Okay. <laughs> I actually didn't watch Talking Dead this week. So. I kept seeing that. I was like, man, if they counterweighted that, they wouldn't have to take so long to close those, you know, big gate doors after somebody comes back in. But anyway. You know what I do like about the design of those doors, though, is they're quite um, long, the individual doors. And when they open fully, they press right up into those spikes. So if there were any walkers around the area of the door, which, again, are pretty long, they would be crushed against the spikes, which would give a pretty decent amount of time to close them back up again. Um, so while I agree, like, weights would probably be a better system, some weights and pulleys and stuff. The way it actually is designed is pretty smart on its own. Yeah, I agree with that. I think given that, you know, they had a crazy man invade with, you know, grenade launchers and whatnot, they did the best what they can with the materials they have to make something work, I guess. Right. 
Uh, so Rick heads to the administration building where he meets up with Carl and gives him uh, a bag of fruit leather and tells them uh, to give it to the other people there, but to make sure they brush their teeth afterwards, which I thought was pretty funny. There's also that great line with Carl. He's like, you know, Dad, you can't keep me from it. And Rick's like, what do you mean? What do you mean? Uh, keep you from it. And he goes, uh, how, how things always end up. And then Rick says, well, it's kind of my job, too. And that kind of plays in really well later with what happens with Rick and Carl. I thought that happened later, but yeah, it was a good scene where it's, maybe I can't, but it's my job to try, and that's that seems to sum up Rick pretty well. The the Rick stuff does, that happens kind of later, too, because it's kind of mixed up with the Herschel stuff. It's just, in terms of reading reading one plot line and another, they kind of go in and out in this early part of the episode. But uh, Yeah, there's a lot of intercutting. As yeah. usual, the synopsis yeah. will probably follow one story and then the other for the most part. For sure. But I, I agree, um, Jim. I think it... Is but and okay, so I, I agree that the lines are good. I think the actors are good. I think they're doing a good job of kind of playing up this relationship. It's just also we've seen this a lot. I mean, we're going in circles with the Rick Carl stuff in terms of I need to protect you and hold on to your innocence. I don't know how much innocence he has at this point, but I mean, well, I, I, I want to see them move past this whole like, okay, we, you got your gun back. Did you use it? I don't know, whatever. Like, it, it's just running in circles with the Rick needs to protect Carl thing. You know, Aaron, while I do agree with you that we have seen this, you know, circled around a bunch of times, I kind of felt like that by the end of this episode, which we'll get into later, they had kind of closed the door on it pretty well. And maybe this was just like one last time to remind you where we had been. I I don't know. I mean, I get what you're saying, but it it seemed like by the end, we probably won't have to deal with that so much more in the future. I I agree with you, and I do hope that we move on from from there, from here at this point, and um, given that this is kind of a little mini plot line we've had going with the infection and the Rick taking up being leader type person again, so hopefully we will move on. So yeah, I, in that regard, yes, if this is a kind of a sign-off for that sort of handling of the relationship between Rick and Carl, then I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> this episode in general really felt like the end of chapter one of the season. Um, we wrapped up most of the plot lines. I mean, you still have Carol and Daryl, um, to deal with, like, what what happens when Rick tells him. But uh, otherwise, this really wrapped up a lot of the plot lines that we've been dealing with so far. And, yeah, I mean, the very end, it te- definitely teased what probably will be a major thing in the next plot line. Right, exactly. It's like we ended a trade of the comic. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Where, like, like, everything's not wrapped up in a pretty bow, but it's... I don't want to say bottleneck because bottleneck sounds bad, but everything kind of came together and is now going to widen back out again into new new threads, I feel. But so we go inside A-Block, which is where the majority of this episode takes place. Uh, A-Block, of course, being Death Row, where they have uh, all of the super sick people. Um, and we get a lot of information here pretty quickly. The survivors are having a really hard time, the sick ones, with breathing as their as their lungs and stuff fill with liquid. Um, so their solution to this, at least a short-term solution, has been to intubate the uh, the, the super sick survivors, which means to uh, force a uh, hollow tube down their throat so they can breathe past all of the mucus and such in their throats, which is gross, but uh, seems to be at least somewhat effective. Not totally, but at least somewhat. Gross, yeah. Got it. <laughs> Herschel still seems to be doing pretty well. He's tired, but he does not seem to be sick like everyone else. Sasha is really sick now. Glenn is really sick now. They're they're helping as much as they can, but they're barely there. Um, even Dr. Caleb is, is extremely sick and pretty much tells Herschel, you know, there's nothing you can do for me at this point. I think it's very interesting that all through this, Herschel is like very, very uh, working very hard to like keep the 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 killing of the 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 falling you know uh, flu 
um, victims from the others that are still alive. You know what I mean? Like, they don't need to see that. And they, you know, I mean, the the lengths that they go to as the episode goes on to keep, you know, the the group from uh, seeing him uh, off the the people that succumbed to the flu is, is, is kind of staggering. It, there's a scene later on where, where Herschel's in the cell block and the guy is laying there and he's by himself. And, you know, I thought, sure, he was going to just, you know, do it right there in front of everyone. But, I mean, this is where that kind of starts. He's kind of... Uh, you know, that scene with Glenn and Herschel where they roll the, the corpse in and Glenn is like, you really haven't had to stab anybody in the head yet, have you? You know, um, I just, I, I thought that whole thing of Herschel trying to, not only having hope, but trying to keep this like veneer of normalcy kind of, you know, in this like in, internable situation. It's a very grim episode, but I appreciate what Scott Wilson was able to bring to it overall, which, oh, yeah. I mean, given that The Walking Dead is a grim show in general, it's nice to have a central performance you can latch on to and, if Rick's not always holding it together, Scott Wilson's been very reliable in these past couple seasons for sure. Well, and and most of this episode really does focus on like what you guys are saying. It's Herschel trying to, and I can't think of the word I'm I'm thinking of specifically, but he's trying to line up his life before this with his life after the zombie outbreak and trying to make those two things work in a way where he can still be a man of faith. He even says in this episode he still believes there's some plan to all of this with the terrible, horrible things he's having to do and trying to keep that together without uh, you know, letting anyone else see when he does have to not necessarily stumble, but at least something he might view as a stumble where he has to you know, commit these horrible acts for the good of the group. Yeah, he's like literally losing his religion piece by piece. Right, right. Reconcile is the word I was trying to think of. He's trying to reconcile those That's, two parts yes. of his life. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, I totally see what you're saying, Jim. So, like you said, they they find the guy who's dead, and they take him to a different spot to kill him, and Herschel says, or Glenn points out that Herschel really hasn't had to stab anybody in the head yet, and I think what they're saying is that he hasn't had to do it, like, up close and personal, one-on-one. Like, I'm pretty sure we've seen Herschel kill zombies through the fence or stump, something like that. He's worked with the group before, but this is more of a mano mano type killing that they're talking about, I think. I remember him taking a whole lot of zombies down at the end of season two with his uh, infinitely uh, ammoed shotgun. Right, exactly, yeah. So, so he, he's done it before, but there there is a difference, definitely. Even, like, Tyrese has talked about it this season, where there's something different when 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 you're just, you know, right up on top of them and, and killing them versus killing them to survive. Right. So Maggie comes to visit Herschel. And, and again, I really like the use of this room. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but the visitor's room, if you will, where you have that mirror, that or not mirror, but that big glass window that gives you some reflection between the two characters and lets the sick people and the, the infected people talk and uh, and hash things out. It's been used now three times, I think, or three or four, um, and it, to really good effect, I think, every time. I, I call that the Midnight Express room. I feel like Jim's the only one that'll get that reference, maybe. Or yeah, okay, I totally yeah, did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get it. Uh, so Maggie wants to know, you know, is Glenn still alive? Is Glenn okay? Is Glenn okay? Are you okay? And Herschel says he's fine. Glenn is resting, but you have to stay out. And when he leaves that room and goes back in, you see that uh, Glenn is not necessarily resting, but it was Glenn who was begging Herschel, basically, don't let her come in here. Do not let her get sick. You know, you have to protect her. And uh, and, and Herschel tells him to go rest for a bit. Yeah, plus he doesn't want her to see him that way. I mean, Right, Exactly. Here. He's, he's, you know, he's pretty far on in the flu. He's not in good shape by the end of this episode. So it's right about at this point in the episode where a lot of uh, fecal matter hits a lot of fans more or less at the same time, um, really effectively, I thought. And, you know, we talked about in prior seasons how the group was getting much better with dealing with problems. So every time they deal with a problem 
in a really stupid way. Yes, it leads to a cool action sequence, but it also is infuriating because we want these characters to be at least competent. And again, this season they've been doing a really good job of finding ways for, you know, everything to hit the fan and it not be the survivor's fault, but just be sometimes bad stuff happens and you have to deal with it. And it's nobody's fault necessarily. And that's kind of what we get here. Uh, Herschel is going through and closing everyone's cell doors because it's getting really bad and it's getting to be nighttime, so they've got to do this. But as he's doing this, a man comes out of one of his cells. He's suffocating from the blood in his lungs. Sasha helps Herschel put him on a bed with wheels, and they try to get him out of there. And uh, he he eventually brings that man into another room and uh, has to uh, stab him in the head through a sheet. But uh, he does have to stab him through the head, and this seems to be the first time that Herschel has had to do that uh, on his own. This is when the the music starts to play as well, correct? Yeah, like like right right before that. uh, Oh, sounds sounds about right. Yeah, it's Mm -hmm. like... it's like when, yeah, you get that kind of, yeah, get that cool shot of Herschel kind of on the ground with the guy, and it kind of moves up. You see everyone else in the prison seeing all of this taking place, and it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a mix of of just really cool filmmaking with, um, you know, good use of of sound and score. Well, not score, a, a music track, and uh, I liked it. I liked how that kind of played all together. Right. It was definitely different. We haven't really seen where there's music track in the middle. Before, yeah, we don't. Have we? The, Not the, too often, no. Yeah, the, the show doesn't utilize kind of source music very often. It go, goes on Bear McCree's score, which has always been pretty consistent. But when they do choose music, I tend to like it quite a bit. Like, we used it on the show, obviously. So. <laughs> right. But it does tend to be at the very end of the episode yeah. if they're going to do it. That kind of Grey's Anatomy feel. Usually closes it out. Yeah. So when Herschel comes back to the cell block, he continues to close cell doors. Um, and he sees one where one of the patients, one of the, the, the people in the prison has died, but is not yet fully turned, has not come back. And he's about to deal with that when he sees that Sasha has passed out. So he runs in to help her. And it seems she's mostly just dehydrated. So he revives her and uh, they have a little bit of a talk. And he goes to close more cell doors. And we see that that zombie he had passed by a few minutes ago because he had to deal with Sasha. Now it's on the move. He goes past one cell where there's a father and son, and the son is passed out, and the father says that the son is fine, he's fine, you know, keep going about your business. Herschel wants to come in and check on him, but the, the the dad says no, and he closes the door and locks it. Then we have that guy who they had intubated in the beginning of the episode, and Glenn had been sitting there with the, um, I don't know what you call that, but the, the hand-activated pump that pumps air into the lungs, just kind of a, a bag that inflates and deflates. Glenn's been sitting there pumping every five or six seconds for a while. Him and Sasha have been taking turns. But the man dies, and uh, Glenn goes to call for help, and at that moment he starts choking on his own blood, and he passes out on the floor. I never suspected that Glenn would die in this episode, but that was pretty effective in just terms of adding to the drama that's going on. Right. It definitely seemed like he could have died. There was a lot of moments in this episode where it felt like a lot of people could have died. Well, that's true. <laughs> but yes, definitely him. And it was one of those things where I was going, no, don't let him go out like that. It's kind of a chump's death. But at the same time, I mean, theoretically, it's better that he would die this way where there's nothing he could do versus he gets sloppy and a zombie grabs him from behind and bites him or something. You know, at least it's a neutral death as opposed to a good or a bad one. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> I still wouldn't have been thrilled, but it would be better than something stupid like that. So Lizzie, remember her, she finds Glenn passed out on the ground as the zombie starts to reanimate. So she calls for help, and that gets the attention of the female walker that Herschel had passed by in the cell. So that zombie walks out uh, and jumps on Herschel, pins him to the ground. 
the dad with the son opens up his cell and he's got a gun and he's going to kill the the zombie who's on Herschel. But then his son, who it turns out had died, the dad was lying, uh, comes out of the cell and follows him. We've got another woman uh, who comes to the rescue and she pulls the walker off of Herschel. Uh, But then the son zombie bites the dad. The dad's holding the gun. The gun shoots the woman and kills her. Uh, Everybody starts hearing gunshots outside. Uh, Maggie and Rick are working on fortifying the fence. uh, And Rick sends her in to go check on the cell block while he continues to work on the fence because the fence keeps getting worse and worse. Uh, At that same time, Lizzie is still leading the walker away from Glenn when Maggie comes in and tries to get into the door. I really like this scene. She's got a fire axe and you've got this, you know, heavily fortified prison door and she knows it's futile, but she just keeps hitting it with the, with the axe until the axe gets stuck in the door and then the handle breaks off. It was kind of like, I get it. I get like what Maggie's reactions are. Emotions are high and dramas everywhere. Actions going on. It was still frustrating to see someone like try to do this. Like know that you can't get in with an ax. Yeah. But what else is she going to do? I mean, until she thinks of another solution, but you know, she's panicking at that point. I know. It was just a case of me yelling at the TVs. Like, what's that going to do? Come on. Well, I thought she might at least be able to take out the glass and get to the handle or something. But well, when she got no stuck, dice. when she got stuck in the door, that's what I started yelling. Actually, <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like, well, now you don't have an axe. Like, so there you go. So Lizzie continues to lead the walker away from Glenn. Uh, like I said, Maggie gets there and tries to get into the door. She can't. Herschel gets up. He runs towards Lizzie because she's leading the zombie, kind of like a dog, kind of come here, boy, come here, boy type thing. He gets up to uh, to the top level where she is, but she trips. The zombie's on top of her. Uh, Herschel grabs the zombie and throws him over a catwalk. Some nice uh, stunts there from Herschel. Uh, he puts Lizzie in Luke's cell. Uh, I don't know that we've seen Luke before. We probably have. I didn't get his name before anyway. But uh, he puts them in there, tells them to stay put. And then he goes to uh, Dr. Caleb's uh, cell because Dr. Caleb had previously shown him that he had a shotgun and some extra rounds. But when he gets to the cell, Dr. Caleb has already died. He's a zombie. So Herschel has to kill another zombie with a knife to the head. First, he, uh, he first goes he, first, in. Hold on. First, he breaks his arm in the cell. Then he. Oh yeah, that was cool. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised we haven't seen that before. Honestly, it was one of those things where I saw it, where I went, "Well, that's smart. Why didn't they do that earlier?" At it was any a, point. That was a good whole horror moment in general because, like, he just first he like shocks you by jumping out at at uh, Herschel, and then Herschel's like, "Ah, oh, what do I do?" And he breaks his damn arm in the door <laughs> and stabs him in the face. It's like, "Oh, well, there goes my friend." Right. So he gets in there after killing Dr. Caleb. He grabs the gun and some extra shells. And also, interestingly, he takes his Bible at that point and uh, he drops that on the bed. I think the, the Bible maybe was in his pocket or something, but he replaces his Bible with the gun, which is, of course, a big visual theme for the episode is, is him with uh, weapons or the Bible. Which one is he going to grab? It's like watching Harvey Keitel and From Dust Till Dawn taking the <laughs> <Yeah. episode. laughs> I can buy that. Yeah, I need to rewatch that movie. I haven't seen that in a while. Oh, well, that's one of my favorite movies. <laughs> It's a lot of fun. For the Cheech Marin, uh, um, uh, <clears throat> you know, um, like bar- uh, Barker pitch alone, that movie is, is a classic. <laughs> I'd be so down to do a WTTV commentary for the Dust Till Dawn. Um, back, backing up a little bit, there was a commercial break with Lizzie leading that zombie like out 
by like a dog, and then it comes back, and Herschel's like running after the zombie to like get it away from Lizzie. I completely thought when Herschel threw that zombie over, he was gonna like fall like onto his head and like smash it open, but it just fell into a chain link fence, and I was like, oh, that's pretty anticlimactic, but it pays off later. So whatever. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I don't even know why would you have that chain link there. I'm sure it's a real thing from prisons. I just don't know what purpose it really serves. So somebody doesn't body slam somebody from the top level down onto the hard concrete floor. Exactly. Oh, that that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, or try to commit suicide by jumping. But like, I, guess, uh, I so thought that when Herschel threw him over, he's like, "Oh, he's gonna like fall on his head. It's gonna smash open." That that didn't happen whatsoever. <laughs> so I was like, "Oh, well, that's all right." <laughs> and we should mention this uh, zombie again. This is the one who is intubated, so he's still got the tube down his throat and the uh, the air pump bag locked around his face, kind of like a gag almost. But he's got this for the whole time, which makes him a really distinct and creepy, weird looking zombie. Yeah, baghead. <laughs> baghead. <laughs> Bag face. <laughs> So uh, there's a couple more zombies still going around through the prison, and Herschel's got to deal with them. But he, again, we talked about this earlier, he doesn't want to kill the zombies in front of people if he can help it. So even though he's got the shotgun and three zombies bearing down on him, he uh, keeps backing up. And he kind of pulls a Lizzie, except for the tripping part, and walks backwards, you know, leading them towards him, kind of banging and making noise on purpose to, to lead them on. Uh, takes them around a corner, and we see from off camera as he, uh, as he kills all three of the zombies. The only thing that could have been cooler than that is if Scott Wilson also had a chainsaw and started saying groovy. <laughs> he pulls up his uh, his pant leg and we see he doesn't really have a fake leg. He's got a chainsaw exactly. attached yeah. to him there. That yeah. exact example, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Hail to the king, baby. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which I guess I did more as Duke Nukem than as Ash, but hey, it's the same reference. And I really like, we've talked about this again in previous episodes, but they've been using visual restraint this season, which is something new for the show. Like when they had uh, the Scottish woman or the Irish woman out in the in the forest and we don't see the head in the bag, or in this case where Herschel kills the three zombies and he kills them off screen and we know what's happening, but we don't need to see it. And it's nice that they are occasionally taking that tact. In terms of visual communication, I agree with you, yes. I think some of the, the themes are still very heavily visualized, yes. but in terms of like in terms of letting an audience figure things out for themselves, I think it's done a very good job of not spelling it out for you. Agreed. I mean, it's things like the Bible that I talked about before. It was yeah, very clear. Yes. Oh, he's taking his Bible and replacing it with a gun. This will be important, um, but still used effectively if heavy-handed. It's, it's an AMC tradition. Mad Men does the same thing. Yeah. Just visual shorthand, you know? Yes, yes. Uh, so after Herschel kills those three zombies, um, he knows that Glenn is still uh, is still suffocating in his cell, and he keeps running, in between all these actions he's taking, he keeps running back over to Glenn and flipping out on his side to clear out his airway as best as possible. Uh, by this time, Maggie has made it inside the cell block because she, uh, she found the room with the glass window, and she busted through it by shooting it. Uh, so bye-bye glass window scenes, but it was nice while they lasted. Herschel runs over to the zombie with the bag in its mouth. Apparently it's called an Ambu bag, A-M-B-U, according to Wikipedia. Anyway, he realizes that they need that to, uh, to help Glenn, so he climbs up to the zombie, and uh, he starts to try to wrestle it for the bag, and Maggie's got her gun trained on the zombie, and he tells her, wait, 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 because, you know, we need, you can't, uh, shoot him because you might puncture the bag, but she eventually takes the shot anyway um, and misses the bag but kills the zombie, which is exactly what she wanted to do. She takes a kind of a, a Murtaugh, roll her head, look at the shot really carefully, yeah. and shoot it. <laughs> <laughs> but that was, I, I like the touch of her taking a second, and even though Herschel was telling her not to, and it potentially could have meant that Glenn would have died or been in, in real trouble, she, she took, 
it was almost like she took the sure thing. She's like, okay, I know if I don't shoot him, my father is going to die. Even if they, even if they use the bag on Glenn, he may not live. So it, it's almost like she was just kind of weighing her options and being practical about the whole thing. But it's yet triage. at the same, yeah, and at the same time, you can you could tell it was it was weighing heavy on her. You know, it just wasn't something she she did lightly. Manual resuscitator. That's the other name for the ambu bag. Ah, that works. Okay. A bag valve mask is what Take we the got. shot! Take the shot! <laughs> yeah. In my ECA class, that's what we called it. Cool. Ah, good. So they get the bag off the zombie, they go over to Glenn, and before we get into a long, protracted discussion about germs and such, because I've seen people have this, you can see in one shot very clearly that Herschel has a, a bottle of rubbing alcohol with him before they intubate Glenn, and they also had previously set up in the episode that Dr. Caleb had set up multiple tubes. So they cleaned the bag, and they used a different tube. I think you even see Herschel yeah, he taking opened a, it. a second one out. Yeah, he opening it. Um, so they did not use the same bag and tube on Glenn that they had just pulled out of the zombie's throat. Um, even they were not that dumb. <laughs> they, <laughs> they did show you in the episode that that's not what happened. Yeah, that's one of the things on The Walking Dead, they were like, or The Talking Dead, rather. They were like, oh, they, they just reused all that stuff, and then they made the point of, well, they're all infected anyway with the, you know, whatever zombie virus this is. Um, and I was like, no, it clearly he had, he had another, um, you know, breathing mask or another, uh, you know, one-way valve, uh, apparatus that he opened up out of the bag and attached to the, to the, to the, the breathing bag. Um, so yeah, just, I, I guess that just kind of, uh, it wasn't completely clear, but it, to me, it was clear enough to me. Ditto. And so they are able to resuscitate Glenn, um, and help him breathe again. We don't see him ambulatory by the end of the episode, right? He's still in pretty bad condition, but at least he's alive. We're just, we're just given the, the, you know, it's okay, Glenn's breathing on his own now kind of speech. We don't really see him, like, right. Right, uh, Herschel tells uh, Daryl that right before he tells Daryl to ask uh, Rick if he wants to know what happened to Carol. Right. So, speaking of Rick and Daryl and all those, while all this is going on, we keep cutting back and forth to the other major calamity that's happening while everyone's being shot, stabbed, or turned into zombies in the, the cell block. And that is after Rick sends Maggie in to help her father and everybody and check on the gunshots or a gunshot that they had heard at that point, rather. Uh, Rick gets Carl to come help him. And Rick and Carl are kind of bonding over helping to rig up the fence. And they're kind of sharing a nice moment of, hey, we're working really well together. And isn't this great? Right before the uh, braces they've put up against the fence start to fail. And the fence comes down. And so their, their pride quickly turns into a fall, as it's apt to do. And they have to start running for their lives um, past some zombies that are coming in all around them, into one of the buildings, and then to their weapons as quickly as possible. In, in case you didn't get it, the walls are literally falling down around Rick. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that I would say that's a heavy-handed visual metaphor so much as walls literally falling down around him because people were pushing on them. That's It's what I saw it as. Uh, but I, 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 I get you. I, I get you. I mean, I, I, I try not to cut too much or too little slack, but this is one of those, one of those cases where I feel... Or slack with the show, but I, I feel like this wasn't them trying to make a grand point so much as it was cool zombie stuff. But who knows? They they make it into one building, and then they come out the other side um, to go grab some uh, assault rifles. As the zombies come around another side of the fence and start pushing through there, and Rick gives uh, Carl a crash course in how to fire an assault rifle. 
uh, which Carl picks up very quickly. Very, very um, quickly, yes. <laughs> yeah, and uh, apparently, th- even though there was some recoil with that gun, Carl has the calves of an Olympic runner because uh, he is able to brace himself amazingly well with that. But that aside, yeah, it's like there were yeah. like there were like two modern warfares and two like one Black Ops game before the Walking Dead outbreak, cat, you know, happened. So <laughs> I mean, Carl's he's, had some he's, he's probably got it. <laughs> Um, not that that would actually prepare you for using a real gun, but that's beside the point. <laughs> anyway, I say this as a person who's got a lot of experience with guns. They're fun. Be careful with them, kids. Um, in fact, kids don't even touch them. I just, I, I'm, I'm hoping someone on the internet takes that scene with the two of them with the um, assault rifles and cuts in uh, Harry Chapin's cats in the cradle. <laughs> Somebody else made music. that comment. Who was uh, that? I, oh, really? I, I just thought of that. Somebody called it the, the Rick and Carl cats in a cradle moment. I don't yeah, remember who like, it was. Yeah, I, I just could totally see that. That would be hilarious. I'm waiting for some cover box art that says Carl of Duty on it with him just holding the assault right there. <laughs> <laughs> Walking Dead TV listeners on the Facebook group, get on it. Make this happen. better at that stuff than me. <laughs> uh, so we, then, we, we cut back and forth to them several times, but they do an incredibly good job of just basically standing there, firing round after round after round, killing... Well, I'd say about, what, 50 to 100 zombies that are just keep coming and coming and coming. They were literally an- ankle-deep in zombies. So, Well, by the end, by the last time we cut over to them, they are going through with, with pikes and basically just uh, manually taking out the last few zombies who have been mowed down but aren't quite uh, destroyed yet. And uh, it's a nice bonding moment between Rick and Carl. By the end of it, they're kind of on, you know, hey, we worked well together as equals, as adults, and we we did good work here. Which I was happy to see. <laughs> I was happy to see it uh, in terms of like, hey, look how great we are together as a team fighting against the, the evil walkers. It was it was just it wasn't that interesting to me overall in terms of just a, a scene of a television show, like seeing it repeatedly, like getting the, the idea of what's going on. I was happy. And then we kept showing it because you have to, because you're showing all this zombie action that's going on everywhere in the prison. And it's like, no one's safe. What's going on? But overall, it's just like, yeah, all right, that happened. I just hope it kind of goes like like you were saying before. I mean, we've seen it over and over about you know, I'm old enough to do this, Dad. No, you're not. I'm old enough to deal with this. No, you're not. You know, I hope this kind of like puts a lid on that. You know, what I mean, I mean, they stood side by side with assault rifles and killed dozens and dozens of zombies together. I hope that just kind of like closes the book on that, and maybe you know they can move on now without that storyline hanging, hanging, you know, coming through every every so often. You can do something, do something else with Carl. You know. It's just, it's building to kind of my overall thoughts on the episode where it's just like, I, I'm fine with it. Like, I think it was a, a very exciting episode to watch for sure. There's nothing that can say otherwise because it, I think it does do a good job of showing you the action, which they, which the show always knows how to do. When it comes to the action scenes, I never question the, the skills of The Walking Dead being able to handle it. It's just like we've been able to speed through the synopsis pretty quickly just because that's a lot of this episode and that's not inherently interesting to me as a television show. Uh in terms of, you know, characters and story and stuff. And yeah, every, you, need, you need this. You need this kind of episode every now and then, but it's just one that doesn't stick out to me as, like, super memorable, just besides the fact that I got to see Herschel kick some ass this episode. But beyond that, it's just like, yeah, that's <laughs> that's kind of this episode. It's like, yeah, okay, Herschel kicked some... This is, this is the episode where Herschel kicked ass. Does that make it the best episode ever? Not necessarily, but I still enjoyed watching it. Hey, a one-legged man who can manage to kick ass is pretty kick-ass. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> re- like remember, like just recall like uh, Days Gone By, the pilot, where you're like, this is the show, yeah, and then Guts was next week, and Guts is a fight episode, it's just, it was like the episode that, ev- that everyone that wanted to see zombie action got, and like that's kind of the feeling I got from this episode, where it's like, this is the, like, the big zombie action episode, so yeah, here we go, let's do this. 
So to close out the episode, uh, the van with Daryl, Tyrese, Michonne, and Bob uh, finally gets back to the prison uh, right after Rick and Carl have just finished mopping up the zombies. So they go over to open up the gate and uh, that, that group rushes in to go bring the medicine to the sick people. And we have a few montage scenes of them uh, crushing up the pills and such and, and mixing with water and putting them into uh, IV bags and all that kind of stuff. Tyrese gets to meet up with his sister again, and uh, Bob helps with the administration of the drugs to Glenn and to others. And outside, we cut uh, the next morning to uh, a singular figure looking upon the prison, and it's none other than the governor. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Sorry. And that is internment. We missed a cut. We missed the, uh, the like, Rick and Carl go and uh, pick peas in the, in the, in the farm. Oh yeah, that's right. They have their nice little return to farming moment, and and Rick let him sleep in. Yeah, and Jim mentioned like uh, Herschel tells uh, Daryl to go talk to go talk to Rick about what happened with Carol. Yeah, we don't actually see that confrontation this episode. That's like the one main story thread from the first part of the season that's kind of not fully resolved. But uh, yep, still hanging above everybody's heads there. What is Daryl going to do, and what is Tyrese going to do? Yeah, I hope that episode's called Two Angry Men. <laughs> it's not I can see what the next episode is titled but uh, that would be funny well if next week's like the, the governor show or whatever then the week after we can maybe get the well I mean that, let's let's go into that before we get into ratings and all that kind of stuff we've now seen the governor for the first time this season it took us five episodes do we see him oh we clearly we know from the previews of next week I mean not to spoil anything but he's in the previews I'm not interacting with any of our characters it's just one scene we see but Aside from that, do you think the governor interacts with the prison next week, or do you think they lead us on a little bit until, like, the mid-season finale or something? I think that's the case. I think we just, like, it's just more, for people that aren't, like, you know, obsessively talking about The Walking Dead like we are, for example, I think this is just more of a, hey, remember that guy? He's still around. Yeah, I think I think next week's episode is going to be, and re- regardless of any previews or anything, I think this is going to be a, what's the governor been up to for the last six months? I agree completely. I think it's going to be almost entirely flashback showing you where he's been. Yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, I actually think that'll be kind of cool, but... I hope so. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I if it's, it's just, cool. like, moments from the last nine months. For sure. I was I was kind of hoping that when we saw the governor, he'd be all, you know, shaggy-haired and more comic governor, but, you know, he looks the same, so good for him. Good on you for shaving. That's true, although it'd be if they do do a long period episode, or a, an episode that covers a long period of time, maybe he will start looking that way, get more scruffy towards the middle, and by the end, he will clean himself up right before he ends up back at the prison. See, that's already four busters guaranteed if that happens. <laughs> <laughs> what if it's a bad wig? Uh, I, I might do my rare three seven five <laughs> <laughs> negative point two five for bad wig. So, do we think that the governor is the one that's been, you know, feeding the walkers and doing all that other stuff? I mean, if he was, he'd have to get on the other side of the prison fence, which is not impossible. They just have carabiners holding it together in some places. But I kind of want to—I I don't want to believe, but at the same time, I want to believe there's an inside man at the prison or an inside woman who's been helping him because that's more interesting than just him coming in and climbing over the fence every once in a while to drop rats off. There's like a double right. edge to that because I'd like that idea too, Jordan. I really would. But it's like, then it's like, oh, by the way, there's some character you've never seen before who's had to be a double agent the whole time or or, or whatnot. Well, like, well, you're, you're assuming it's someone we've never seen before. I, I get that, but I feel it, it comes with having to wait to see what actually happens. But I, 
I could, uh, if that was the case, I can already feel like I'd be complaining about the seeds not really be properly being set for some occurring character that we already that we all knew about being the one that's been uh, uh, helping assisting the governor the whole time. Like the same thing, it's kind of like the Carol thing where. I appreciate what they did with Carol, and last week was a great step in like making me just like where they took her all around. But the the lead up to that, I thought was clunky. So I feel like if that was the case with the governor, it'd probably be clunky. I'd probably be saying the same thing again. But we'll see. I mean, in theory, I like the idea. But you know, I'll okay, give me another nice. predictive amount of busters for the episode where they reveal. That it's been Rick, the inside man. The whole Rick, time. the inside man. The whole, if it was Rick the entire time, that's 17 busters right there. Lori <laughs> told me to do it. Yeah. Lori <laughs> told me to do it. I still see her. So uh, let's get to our buster ratings, gentlemen. Let's go in alphabetical order. So, Aaron, what did you think of this episode? I gave it a three and a half busters. I, I mean, uh, Scott Wilson was tremendous in this episode. I think he did a fantastic job kind of leading it for the most part. It's just it's a very action heavy episode, and while the character stuff with Hersha was was solid, it's just like not one that's going to kind of stick with me. It's just more of like, hey, that was exciting. Okay, let's move on. I give it a four out of five busters because of the Scott Wilson performance this episode. I mean, I really thought it was like Emmy quality, high caliber acting, and I thought he just did a he did a great job. I thought he totally killed it. So uh, um, four out of five for me for this episode. Like I said, a lot of good character stuff and. That scene with Rick and Carl at the end was like one of the most, um, it just reminded me of the Rick and Carl from the comics that I knew and loved. So uh, definitely four out of five for me. Uh, I also give it four out of five. I, I thought it was a fine episode. Uh, I, you know, definitely the Scott Wilson stuff was, was you know, fantastic. But, you know, it wasn't my favorite episode ever. Um, but it was by no means, you know, low on the totem pole. So I was really happy with it. Well, I'm going to be the odd man out, although not completely, just out of us four, um, because I'm pretty sure Brad Milo agrees with me from what I saw on his Facebook feed. But I'm going to give this episode a five, um, and that may be surprising, but for me, nothing in this episode fell flat. I enjoyed everything on screen. There was nothing that I went, oh, I, uh, I would have done it this way, or really, you're going to make that decision. I was happy with everything that happened on screen. I really liked how they balanced character and action with both the Herschel and the Carl slash Rick storylines. You know, did it do anything particularly groundbreaking? No, but at the same time, like, like again, there's nothing in this episode that I that I questioned or had a problem with. Every single element of it worked for me, and if that's not worth a five, I don't know what is. So I'm giving it five out of five. You you were talking about Brad Jordan, and I think. He today said that it was like his favorite episode of the series. Like right, so far. yeah, that's what I saw. Yeah, and and he felt it uh, it didn't fall flat anywhere. That everything was just you know top notch. Uh, so I thought that was that's that's pretty bold because um, I know you know Brad's kind of goes up and down on the show like like we all do, but but maybe a little more ups and downs than uh, than some of us. So uh, it was even though I didn't share his opinion, I thought that was a, a good sign that he. He was that happy with the episode. Uh, in the moment, I did, you know, I was certainly excited by this episode. It didn't let me down necessarily. It's just like if I had to give a number to it, that's the one I associate with it. But, I mean, I was certainly all on board with the excitement factor. And that's fair enough. It's all subjective, you know, our ratings. Oh, yeah, for know? sure. And, like, in hindsight, like, it might rate differently at the end of the season versus how it does now. It's just more of, like, I watched it twice before I started writing about it, which you can find my written write-up at, w- at com. But, like, 
<laughs> it's just like, all right, I'm, I'm getting this. I'm feeling it. And I just, like, I had to associate some rating, and that's kind of where I landed. But I was on the edge of my seat watching with my friends. We're all yelling at the TV. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> Good ending, by the way. We didn't talk about the ending. I like, like Herschel's just such a badass, and everyone like basically rewards him for being. Oh that yeah, way. like Daryl's is like you're a tough son of a bitch, and he's like, I am. And, Damn right. And, Mich- and Michonne's was like, awesome. want to go. Michonne's like, want to go for a ride. He's like, hell yeah. Like it's just like the Herschel like wins. Like, <laughs> Gonna go get ice cream. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, Aaron, because I think that was my favorite. Uh, that was probably my favorite Herschel bit, maybe of of the entire series. Just. You know, Herschel's always, you know, fairly humble, and he could be assertive when we want. I mean, we've seen him be assertive with Rick, um, you know, and kind of tell him to man up and and get his, you know, get his stuff together. But you know, for for Dar for Daryl to kind of say that to him, and he's like, "Yes, I am," just like that confidence, and yeah. then for him to, you know, again respond the same way to Michelle, and I just I just got the biggest kick out of that. It was just like unexpected and you know just just heartwarming you know at the same time i just i, I thought sure. it was fantastic it's the kind of thing where among the comic changes because herschel's very much not like the his comic counterpart i i'm very much liking the take that scott wilson and the writers have done for herschel as opposed to where he was in the comic which was which was different than this i totally agree so jim what did our listeners on facebook think of the episode well we have a very active facebook group at the walking dead tv podcast on facebook uh, we definitely suggest you join us. We have a lot of cool members. We have a lot of people who who uh, post things and links to their other podcasts and news items. And uh, it's a good uh, place to always find uh, what uh, Aaron has been writing lately or what have you. We got a lot of really good comments on this. As you mentioned earlier, our, uh, our, our charter member, our godfather, as you will, if you want to make an old school reference, uh, Brad Milo, um, says, This episode gets my highest rating ever. I think that would make it a 6 or a 7 on a scale of 5. A flawless episode, in my opinion. Brian McCurry's score was his best work to date on this series. I was figuratively on the edge of my seat the whole time, and I honestly expected Glenn to bite it. That's a pun. The end shot was just icing on the cake. Um, yeah, a lot of other people uh, echoed his sentiment, too, about thinking this is a really great episode. Five out of five from Brian Arnold. Five out of five heroic Herschels. Uh, five faulty fences out of five from the omnipresent Mike Jones. Uh, Everard Santamaria gives a 3.7, 5 out of 5 endless M16 magazines. My least favorite episode of the season, but still had a lot of good in it. Uh, Michael Santana gives a 5 peeping Tom Governors out of 5. Uh, this episode had it all. Action, tension, character development, and a heaping helping of despair. The team is hitting its stride, and I'm loving it. Uh, Donnie Salvo, uh, my good podcasting buddy, gives it 4.5 Rambo Carls. Uh, that's pretty funny. Uh, Don Heffern, 4.5 Tough Sama Bitches. <laughs> I agree with this being the best episode so far this season. Uh, Brian Frederick, 4.5 Peapod Moments with Carl out of 5. Finally, a great episode of The Walking Dead Season 4. The scenes where Herschel is so selfless and looking out for all the flu victims pulled at my heartstrings. Uh, 4.75 Spaghetti Wednesdays from Mary Terpakia. A 5 out of 5 from Newton Knight. 4.75 Little Girls Playing in Bloody Mucus. Out of five from <laughs> Leslie Johnson. Um, it's not a five for five out of me because Daryl didn't find out about Carol. And I have to watch with a medical professional who always has to ruin things like the t- intubation. And to, <laughs> um, three out of five red shirts uh, from, from Robert Negro. Um, Sarah Ann Howard uh, chimed in as well. Uh, Belinda Clark ache four shut the damn cell doors out of five. <laughs> that is a good point. 
Uh, Luke Smith FX, 4.5 out of 5. Great episode. Loving that the governor is back, but intrigued as to why the hell he is so well kept. Could there be a second Wilbur Woodbury out there? Hmm. Uh, Shane Jenkins, 4.99 Herschel's jogging up the stairs out of 5. <laughs> he did seem pretty spry for a guy who's missing part of his leg. Uh, Roger Austin, five creepy eye patches out of five. Best episode of the season so far. And finally, Jimmy Tucker, 4.75 fruit leathers out of five. Loved heroic Herschel this episode, and there was a real sense of dread that some of these survivors weren't going to make it. Glad the governor showed up at the end. Pretty positive, too, on the return of the governor. I guess that people aren't thinking it's too soon or whatever. Um, they're happy to see, you know, the, uh, a new villain that other than, uh, an infected infection and a flu. Uh, so as I said, if you want to join our, our Facebook group, it's the walking dead TV podcast, Facebook group, and it's a pretty active community. And we definitely, uh, invite you to join it. Thank you very much, Jim. So at this point, Aaron, and I hear you have to say goodbye to us for the week. Uh, why don't you explain why that is? I gotta go because I'm running out of time right now, but this is going to be my last episode for a couple weeks. I am actually going on vacation to South Africa for <laughs> two weeks, and uh, quite excited about it. But uh, yeah, I, I'll probably get one more write-up in before I leave, but beyond that, yeah, I'll be back. I guess probably the episode, like the, the mid-season finale episode, I could probably be back by that time and tell you about the wiles of Africa, but for now, I'm going to have to sign off here. And is it too early to announce that you will be starring in the sequel to District 9? <laughs> uh, you know we're we're in the works <laughs> we're in the works on things. Me and Charlto we're uh, we're 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 hashing out some scenes, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll see. I'll, I'll let you guys know. Diplomatic immunity. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, as usual, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show, Aaron, and uh, we hope you have a great vacation, safe travels, and that you get back soon. Yeah, great. Thanks, guys, and uh, yeah, always happy to be on here. And uh, yeah, uh, have a. Hope, hope the next two episodes are really good. <laughs> All right. Have a good one, Aaron. Okay. So that's it for this week's episode, and it's a little bit shorter than normal. But hey, last week we gave you a really long episode, so don't complain. It's free. We work hard on this. But uh, we're going to close things out now and give you, of course, the, the normal closing out stuff. And then after that, we will go into our preview for next week, which will have minor spoilers, as usual. And I believe Russ has some information for us as well beyond the normal stuff. So, until next time, if you would like to send us an email, you can do so, comments at walkingdeadtv.com, and if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, the voicemail land's still not up, but you can record an MP3 or an OGG or any type of audio format, and you can email us that fake voicemail to comments at walkingdeadtv.com as well. Uh, check out hhwlod.com and walkingdeadtv.com for all of our great shows like Half Hour Wasted, The Long Box of Doom, The Black Box, Out Now, our brand new shows, Jersey Shore, which is mine, and the Ichapod Cast, which is Aaron's other show, where he talks about Sleepy Hollow on Fox. And of course, you can also check out our Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, where we talk about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And uh, Russ is on that one. You can hear Johnny M. on that one occasionally, and Brad Milo as well. So it's a fun show, to be sure. I just listened to the newest episode today, right before I got home. And you can follow us on Twitter at WDTV Podcast and at HHWLOD underscore network. I'm at Jordan FRM Jersey. Jim is at Yoda Jones. Russ is at R. Latham. And Aaron is at Aaron's PS3. And you never know, maybe he'll tweet some stuff about his vacation. So be sure to follow him. And of course, every week, except maybe not uh, in two weeks, you can check out his written text reviews of The Walking Dead on HHWLOD.com and WalkingDeadTV.com and they are always awesome, so you should check them out. 
And so until there's no more room left in hell and a dead walk of the earth, remember, dental hygiene is imperative. So even in the zombie apocalypse, kids, remember to brush your teeth. And have a good week, everybody. Fruit leather does stick to your teeth. Rick has a very good point. (laughs) And next week on The Walking Dead, our episode will be entitled, remember, minor spoilers here, so if you don't want to hear them, cut out now. We'll talk to you next time. Next week's episode, episode 406, is entitled Live Bait. And the synopsis we have from AMC is, A familiar face returns as the group members struggle to find humanity in a world of constant threats. So basically, the entire premise of the show, plus the governor's back. A whole lot of words to say a whole lot of nothing. (laughs) Yeah. So, Russ, you said you had some other information for us as well, so spill the details. Did either of you guys watch Talking Dead this week? I did. I thought Adam Savage was awesome, and Breckenmeyer talked a little bit too much, but by the end, they had worked out the dynamic pretty well. So there was a bit. It wasn't the next week. You know how they do the the scenes from next week, and in this one showed that that zombie walking up to to the governor and then she basically just walks right into the to the bright light and catches fire and he's completely unfazed but there was another scene and it i forget what the terminology they put on that cover over the screen with it was like prey it it says like prey like p-r-e-y and i I, is it like i I can't i can't remember the exact term but anyway it shows the group around the bonfire of dead zombies and i would swear that carol was standing right next to I think it was Rick in there, and it seemed like it was from an upcoming episode, not a previous episode. Interesting. I need to go back and watch it. It was really hard to make out, but it, it, I mean, it was like somebody with very short, you know, short hair with, you know, gray, gray short hair. It looked exactly like Carol. So I don't know if, it, and it seemed like it would have to be somewhat current because it, it, it looked like they were burning the bodies, you know, instead of burying them because of the flu or whatever. So. We may have some inadvertent information that Carol will be back sooner than we thought. Yeah, so I don't, and like I said, I need to go back and watch it again, but I'd swear that uh, that's on there. So uh, if anybody caught that on and wants to put that up on the Facebook group or uh, school me, I would be happy to be schooled because uh, I don't want to give up poor information, but I was just curious if anybody else caught that. <laughs> uh, question for you guys before we close this one out. Um, you know, we talked about whether next week's episode will be a flashback with the governor, uh, what it will entail, but... Let's let's skip right past that and and jump to another prediction. How many people do we think the governor has in his? I don't know if employees the right word, but how many people is the governor the governor traveling with and working with right now? What what do we want to guess? Do we want to guess it's just the two guys he left with last time? Does he have a whole army, a whole town? What are we thinking in terms of his uh, his access to resources? Well, it's kind of a cheat. Because we saw in that scene there were three tents. So but I'm just we don't know that, when that scene takes place. Is it that night or is it six months ago? Well, that's true. That's a good point. That's a good point. I, I think one of two things. Either he's by himself or he still has those two knuckleheads with him. Schubert and the the bowman, I think they were called. Sure. <laughs> or Rodriguez and Schubert. I think Schubert was the bowman. Even the governor has a posse. <laughs> but how big do we think it is? Is he a legitimate threat in terms of numbers or just in terms of cunning and evil? The latter. Yeah, I think it's just probably the two guys. Couldn't see it being much more than that if it was just, you know, them on the run and intense and whatnot. Fair enough. Well, we will hopefully find out next week. Uh, But until then, I'm Jordan from Jersey. He's Russ. He's Jim. And Aaron joined us earlier. And we always love Aaron. Have a good week, everybody. Alone.
which will be minorly spoilery, which will be minorly spoiler, which will have minor spoilers. <laughs>